whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. This week we have a snippet from my conversation with Charlene V. Smith. When we talked about Man of La Mancha, we got into a whole discussion about historical accuracy and what does it actually mean. We join the conversation already in progress. Um, especially if you compare it to like, because everyone, you know, you could find really mean criticism about the historical accuracy Right. Of certain, in a way that you couldn't find about, say, the Lincoln film. Right. You know, which was a blockbuster. Right. Um, but no, I'm, neither film which, which, was historically accurate because it was a movie. Well, were that's movies. the thing. Right. <laughs> it is this question of what is historical they, they accuracy. They were documentaries. You know, right. They were well, movies. even if they are, like, I mean, documentaries have to leave. Everything has to leave. The only everything thing has that, to be edited. The only thing that doesn't have to leave anything out is the printed word. Which is why the Hamilton biography is right. 650 yeah. pages, however long that you behemoth know. of a book is. That was, you know, with James Michener's right. <laughs> point yeah. of view. Right. <laughs> I don't see, have to leave exactly. any words don't out. Have to leave <laughs> I just put all the words in there. Any words I want. Um, and uh, it's like there's the idea. A, there's a name the kids aren't going to know. There you go, James Michener. It's a good one. Look it up. Wikipedia. It's there for your support. It's like, it's like reading the dictionary. All the other books are in there. It's just have to right. rearrange the words. But That's the, probably true. But like Hamilton is lauded for being historically accurate. And it is not in several key ways that I kind of wrestle with. The big one being the end, which is like the timeline of the ending is condensed and flipped for dramatic purposes that like, and for those of you going, what is he talking about? In reality, Philip Hamilton died in a duel after the election of 1800 and Burr didn't actually get super mad at Hamilton enough to fight him in a duel until after he had served his term as vice president and was running for, or I don't know if he was done his term, but he was running for governor of New York because it was clear he wasn't going to be vice president anymore. And Hamilton again said like, no, this guy cannot be governor of New York. And that's when Burr came after him. So there was like this protracted, now I've read what Lin-Manuel Miranda said. He's like, dramatically, it doesn't make any sense. Like Philip needs to die. That's the motivation. And then right after the vice president thing, we're into Burr. Like it's all done. And I think also Hamilton shows you why that's okay because look at all the people who have now gone out and read a Hamilton biography. Well, right. Yeah. Like, and know the difference. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's what's great is that then people will go out and seek more knowledge in something that excites them. Mm-hmm. You know, which I, I actually I have a, a friend who's a historian who who had written me about Hamilton basically saying, you know, all my colleagues are are not really into this musical and they have real problems with what it does with history and I'm just wondering how I should respond to them. And I was like, look, look at all these children right. learning about American history and and I guarantee a large percentage of them aren't just seeing that musical. They're going out and reading more, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it's like, and who cares that, you know, kids come to the theater to see, for the first time, to see Phantom of the Opera or School of Rock right. or Cats. Like, yes, it's not Sweeney Todd Assassins or Sunny in the Park with George, but, like, they've now gone to the theater. Right. And they like it, and they want to know more. I mean, if my son is any indication, like, he he is gobbling up theater at an alarming rate, and he's grabbing my CDs, and he's listening to them, and he has now found on his own Into the Woods, and he's obsessed with it. 
And he got there all by himself. And it's a deeper thing because he, he started with School of Rock and he started with these and Matilda, which is a great show. But like he started with these things that are much more geared towards kids. Towards his age, yeah. And then swept in to the stuff that's like, oh, wow. Like, because Into the Woods is such an amazing transitional musical between like childhood and, and like adult music theater. It's also the the issue I get I get I get stuck on with people because I'm a I'm a big believer in don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Sure. But and so like I get into a lot of fights with people about that. I mean like no because it's all about context for me and it's also all about like one of the discussions I had with a bunch of high school students which was with uh, also past guests of this podcast Hannah Hessel Ratner and, and Liz oh, yeah. Maestri. They came into my class over the summer uh, film criticism class with a bunch of high school students and we watched Gravity. You've seen that no. film, Alfonso Cuarón's Gravity with Sandra Bullock, Trapped in Space. It was out two, three, four years ago. Okay. Um, and, I mean, it's basically just Sandra Bullock stuck in space for long sections of the movie. That's it. And it is hailed as a very feminist film for that reason. And there are certain aspects of it that are highly feminist. However, and this is why I brought Hannah and Liz into the room, was because there's the, the the only other character in it, the sort of wizened astronaut, is George Clooney. And George Clooney does a lot of things to help her and is the sort of like, he's not, a, he, he, he is not a sh- the, the white knight in the show. That does not happen. But it gets kind of close. And like, I was having this discussion with the students and they were just like, yeah, but it's just, it's just a guy. It's just like, he, that's the character. Like, she needs a mentor character. And we were like, yeah, but why does it have to be... George Clooney, like, why couldn't it have been? And I just very happy about this. Just pulled out Sigourney Weaver out of my butt, and was just, and that was one where they all kind of went, "Oh, I guess it could be Sigourney," like, because she's right. also she's a proven badass space right. sci-fi character. Like, so she she like <laughs> yeah. fits firmly into that. Or Whoopi Goldberg, right? I don't know, think they would have bought that one as much. Star Trek. Days. Whoopi Goldberg from yeah from the nineties, right? Nineties <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg showed up. But it is that idea of like. No, that character has to be a man. Like, this character can be a woman as long as that character is a man. Right. And it is that, like, so the movie deserves a lot of respect. It's an excellent movie. It's very well made. It deserves a lot of praise. But I didn't, like, it was getting overpraised, in my opinion, for its feminism. And I just wanted to, like, show it to these kids and, like, bring it back sure. to its appropriate context. Like, just put it over here. It's not the answer. But we're on our way. We're, it shows a good trend. Right. And it was successful. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And it's interesting. The, the back to the you know enemy of the the perfect mm-hmm. and the good i think it is important to like be able to recognize achievements while still being able to talk about what needs to happen next cuz i think sometimes when you try and do that people get very upset because they're like oh this this piece of art has done this this and this you can't mm-hmm. criticize it and you're like no 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 we still need to talk about yeah where it fails um because we need to look at the macro and the micro. We may be able to say on a micro level, you know, th- I mean, this comes up with Hamilton yeah, and its treatment it's tre- of female characters, Absolutely. Yeah. you know, and, and we have to be able to hold ideas in our head simultaneously and be able to say that it's amazing what, what he's done in terms of, you know, racial diversity and musical theater and history and, um, and America. Yeah. While still being able to say it's another story where the women play second fiddle. Right. And and sure, you can say that on a micro level, that's appropriate for this particular story, but you also have to look at the macro level and say that is what's happening everywhere. Yeah. And so it's still a problem. It's still a part, yes, because it, yes, it doesn't... So, and I, it is this... I, I will say much to his credit, I think that he said he can't wait for a, a woman to play yes. Hamilton. I will, however, believe that when I see it. So I'm happy he said that. I think we're still quite a ways away from that, um, especially on Broadway. But 
yeah, I mean, it's also funny to me that people can't people in capital P people <laughs> seem people. to not be able to handle criticism of a thing in any way. Like they feel like because Hamilton's great. It's it's amazing. It's 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 one of the best musicals ever. I think. It, it and I deserves think history, all the accolades. It absolutely gotten. does. And but very few all, things do, but it yes. does. Yes, and there are is one of the few shows where somebody has said to me like, "Is it really as good as everyone says it is?" And I say, "Yes, it really is as good as everyone says it is." But that doesn't mean it's perfect, and there are things to criticize about it. But it's really funny the veracity of like, "No, no, the good thing. Like this is a good right. thing." Well, but what about this, that, and that? And then like you get shouted down. Yeah. And I think that. There has to be room for both. There has to be room is, for constructive criticism. This is very criticism. much, I think, a problem in our entire society. And we won't go down this road. But I maybe mean, we will. We've seen it happen politically where, like, a, a political uh, person who has been lauded um, by a group makes one decision they disagree with. And then all of a sudden, yeah. no, never yeah. that person again. They're out. Can't yeah. stand them. Mm-hmm. They're horrible. At the end of it. Is it, extre- it yes, it is a black and white yeah, and we've yeah. got to we've got to work on that as a country. We got to work on that as a like a, a, a world, world that's to me true. because we this is what I hate about happily ever after is and this is why I rail against this and I I believe that it is important to talk about like how these things end because if everything you see all the time ends with happily ever after you begin to expect stories to have endings in real life. Right. And they don't. The The only ending is death. Right. And even then, like how many people have died and then their story has changed and morphed and adjusted. And we viewed the person one way when they were alive and now a different way when they're dead. And we didn't know who they were when they were alive. And now they're wildly famous. Not that it's doing them any good, but great. And so there is no ending. There is no – there is only the continuance. And it is – so important that our art, like we can have fluff and we can have whatever and we can have Lifetime original movies and we can have home. I'm not saying it all needs to go away, but I think on balance, it need like the ambiguous ending needs to be respected. Right. It needs to be. And it also needs to be prevalent, you know, because I think audiences will accept it. They're just not given many yeah. chances to have it. And we have to have permission to have these discussions and not have them shut out down. Like, I mean, when the Les Mis, the last Les Mis movie came out, there was a great article that someone wrote that was titled something like, you know, how to be a feminist and still enjoy the Les Mis movie. You know, and it, and it talked about, you know, the, the pro- inherent problems in the story, but also the fact that this author had a lot of nostalgic love for Les Mis, um, mm-hmm. the musical, and sort of how to um, how to how to have those two things coexist at once, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I absolutely. So. Well, and that's why that, that's what sort of the, these discussions on the show have become to me, because that's why I keep asking that question of like, how do you reconcile, right, Manila Mancha, six year old you, and now, because it's important that it be it is allowed to exist in both realms fully. And simultaneously. Right. Because is, I can I can decide never to see it again, but it still had an impact on my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't deny that. Right. Yeah. And it's important not to deny it. It's yes. very important to me to be like, no, I like things that suck. Like when I was a kid, I spoke as ch- a child. When I was a child, I spoke as a child does. But when right. I was an adult, I took that child out back and had him shot. The Which I think is what... <laughs> 
Yeah, there you go. We'll let that joke land. <laughs> the um, but I think that's what a lot of people do. Yeah, like a lot of, and this goes back to the friend I was talking about a minute ago, who just like destroys his old work. There's a denial of self in that. Yes. Where you're constantly trying to be the phoenix and it doesn't we aren't that's not who we are. We are the sum total of our decisions. Right. That's part of the reason why I, I have told people before that I refuse to get on the rent hate train because it's very easy to tear mm-hmm. rent apart. But I am the age that I was, you know, a young teenager when it came out. And so like it was and it's you know, you can also like laugh at it because it was like we were a bunch of, you know, mostly white kids hanging around like in our cars with no real problems connecting with rent. Literally talking about this today with my <laughs> wife. Please keep talking. <laughs> but it was still important to us sure. in, in sort of our, you know, finding our own ways and our own voices. And and because that was the music, I was the age when that musical came out and to have the most impact, I'm just like, I, you know, I don't need to jump on the rent hate train. No. Plenty of other people do it But for it me. is that thing of like, <laughs> that is also, there, there is also this natural life cycle of things that were, that are praised more than they should be. Right. <laughs> that eventually it's got to swing. The pendulum has to sure. swing the other way and yes. we all have to hate it for a while. And I think rent, rent will survive. No one's yes. like, there will be an endless supply of teenagers in theater right. listening to rent. That that will never stop. But it is this issue of like, Ren is a very problematic show. And it's very uh, kind of an, I mean, it's important to remember also that Rent, the version of Rent that exists is not actually the final version of the show. The final there version never been, got written right, right. because Jonathan Larson yeah, died so in I'd previews. Yeah, so I'd call it a flawed piece as opposed to yeah. a problematic piece. I mean, but I guess I Well, it's got some perfect. themes in it. Yeah. It's got some themes. It's got some ideas. It's got some uh, that, yeah, maybe you're right because it isn't finished. It is dated. Like, that's the yes. big thing to me yes, I get. It like, it's dated. very dated. And I think that people didn't expect it to be, I guess, as dated as it was. But whenever anything is that current, I mean, that show is 1995. It, oh, it's so In a very moment. serious way. Yes. And when anything's that current. It's gonna get. It's gonna show its age. Like when you yeah. see Art Deco architecture, there was a period where that was current, and then there was a period where that was ugly, and now it has got reached a point where like, oh, that's neat. Like yes. that survived. Cool. Yeah. And I think rent will eventually swing in the other direction. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's also to remember. I think our sort of understanding of each other is better if we can remember where we come. You know, when we were in similar places. Because I, when I saw Spring Awakening on Broadway. You know, they had their lottery front row that was full of teenagers that were, like, bouncing up and down and so excited and mouthing along. And, mm-hmm. you know, cranky old Charlene was like. <laughs> and then I had a moment where I was like, no, stop. That was you 15 years ago, right. 20 years ago. So you you can't. You can't be mad at them. Well, and it's important to enjoy things, like not to, <laughs> right, like not right. to let that that like because we all have. Or, it, why but, are they yeah, so excited? <laughs> like that's a bad thing. Little they get older. No, no, it's cool. Like it's totally cool. They're fine as they are. Um, yes, they could use a little perspective. I They'll... bet they've never read the original play by Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> Do you honestly have that thought? Did Probably. you have that thought? Because <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to push up my imaginary glasses and say I actually have read it. Although God. I guess not in the original German, which would but make me more. But that snobbery pedantic. is amazing to me because <laughs> I mean, that's one of the other things I always like to talk about on the show. Though is this like I I, I started the show in large sense to rail against snobbery and to like no we all like stuff yes. like, and it's fine to like stuff and like when this hasn't come out yet but it will be tied by the side this comes out. Um, Beth Amon was here not too long ago talking oh, about Wicked. 
And oh, everybody wow. without question yes. said to me, so did, yeah. you, did you let her have it about Wicked? I'm like, you don't know how I feel about <laughs> Wicked. And it turns out I don't like Wicked. Like, they're no. right. But no, I didn't. I did. She and I, because I actually know her a little bit, did have what I think is a very nice discussion about, like, I don't like Wicked. You love Wicked. Let's talk about it. Like, in a real, like, I'm not going to, like, defend yourself. It's like, no, let's talk about Wicked. Yeah, I don't like Wicked, but I feel no reason to dismantle someone else's affection of Wicked. <laughs> yeah. I don't, like... Maybe we should stop judging people who like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Well, Maybe that's, that's like crazy. <laughs> I don't want to, like... Baby steps. I don't want everybody to think that's fine. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Charlene V. Smith for coming down and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. (laughs) 